Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everybody back to the PHLY Sixers. Somebody unplug Bodner to start the show. <laughs> to the PHLY Sixers podcast. Derek Bodner joined by a guy who's definitely going to murder me if I ever try to have us do another 10 a.m. pod. How you doing, Kyle? Well, I'll definitely murder you if you stare listlessly into outer space to open another show, but I'm doing okay. It's 10 a.m. on a Monday, so about as well as I can possibly do. What up to Bo Jensen? What up to Neil, Ryan, my guy Will, always. Thank you guys for being with us early on a Monday, a 2-0 and Sixers weekend. So uh, Derek and I's social calendar is not exactly brimming with stuff this weekend other than basketball. So yeah. now I'm back here with you once again. We do have at least a good amount of basketball to talk about. The Sixers reeled off a couple of wins, first over the Raptors on Saturday, then over the Blazers Last night, a couple of pretty convincing wins, especially last night over the Blazers. A lot of good stuff to talk about. Tyrese Maxey um, averaging, what, 30 and 6 so far on the season, shooting the heck out of the ball from the perimeter. Joel Embiid has rounded back into shape very quickly with two dominant performances, including one of the best we've seen in quite some time. And Nick Nurse is certainly having them play a different style of basketball than perhaps we have ever seen in the Joel Embiid era. Where would you like to begin? Well, I did have show notes for it today, but you'd have to read those to actually. I, I would. I would have to get up in time to read those. <laughs> uh, so to me, the big takeaway from the weekend after a very slow start. No, I shouldn't say very slow start. After a little bit of a disappointing start for Joel Embiid was Joel Embiid all yeah. weekend. I, you know, I think Tyrese stole some of the headlines Saturday in Toronto. And rightfully so. They both had 34 points. There was some awesome playmaking, scoring from Tyrese in that game. But Joel has now effortlessly, not effortlessly speaking over here, obviously, put together back-to-back 30-point games. Sunday against Portland was an absolute destruction of a bad Blazers team. Poor DeAndre Ayton just got taken to the woodshed that game. And the big thing for me has been two high-level passing games 
from mm-hmm. Joel Embiid. High assist numbers, low turnover numbers, and really seems to be buying into that role as the hub of the offense. And like he kind of spoke to us last night, Sunday night after the Blazers game, Derek saying when he first met with Nurse that this is a a Joel led thing. Like he really wants to sell this idea that. I've always wanted to play this way. I didn't necessarily want to be Mr. Isolation Scorer, so on and so forth. I think there's, let's say there's a little truth to that, but there's a lot of like trying to spin a story to the masses. I'm sure he wasn't throwing a protest by having given the ball and asked to score. But I think it's also probably fair that he might have watched Jokic win a championship and said, you know what? That that's probably good team ball that keeps the guys engaged. Everybody is flying around. Let's try that. I think both of those could be true. Yeah, and I I think more importantly, the first game I thought the offense was relatively stagnant for a lot Mm -hmm. of that game. I think over the last two games, you're seeing them start to play the style of basketball that Nick Nurse talked about in the offseason, right? Which is a lot of movement, a lot of cutting. It's not Joel having to draw a double team to get somebody open. It's Joel getting the ball, facing the basket, and guys are cutting off of him they're running new sets i thought one of my favorite plays they ran derek in sunday night's game against portland was a look out of horns and it had joel and maxi at either elbow tobias up top joel gets the ball maxi screens for tobias's mm-hmm. guy and cut right through the lane joel hits him on that cut wide open dunk for tobias they're manufacturing offense a lot easier without it having to be Oh, Tyrese and Joel just score every single time. They're they're using their gifts as scorers to make them more cohesive, to play this more ball-sharing style, and I think that has impressed me above probably anything else so far. Yeah, and look, when you're going to use Joe as a passer, like there's got to be a second component to that. He's got to be passing to people who are in position to make a shot, and they've just been cutting so much more aggressively off of Joe than they have in previous years. Obviously, you know, Going back to Brett Brown, he used to want his shooter stationary, so Joe knew where the outlet was. Mm-hmm. That might have been the right decision for that stage of Embiid's career. And then Doc was much more of a two-man game, trying to get Embiid, you know, a lot of attention or a lot of in a position where he can score and then play off of that. They're just cutting so much more. And we saw it, we we talked about this last night on Press Row, where you're looking there in the Toronto game and two straight plays or two trips down the floor. You know, Kelly's man is leaving him wide open on the weak side corner. Kelly just makes a very simple cut. Joel makes a pass. Two quick buckets in a row. If that was PJ, if that was last year, he's standing in the corner, not moving, you know, feet in cement. Ball gets swung to him. He hesitates. He pump fakes. Nothing comes of it. Or when he does cut, he gets to the rim and is getting swallowed up by people who can actually jump. And instead, they just have two very simple buckets and two two reads that Joel Embiid can make. And then a defense that then is a little hesitant to make that same kind of cut and help in, in a future possession. So they've been playing much more cohesive basketball. They've been cutting a lot harder. And the Embiid Maxi two-man game has been working so well that it's made everybody's jobs easier. Uh, and that two-man game, I think, has been really interesting. Um, it's been better than I think either of us expected coming in. It is only three games. But the way that Maxi has developed, um, you know, throughout Joel Embiid's career, there's always been, he's always had a teammate who can do one thing. It's either playing the dribble handoff game off of him and, and sort, of, sort of repositioning and playing sort of hot potato to get the to the spots that they want. Yeah. Or it's somebody who can make that pocket pass to get Joel Embiid a shot that he can make. Or it's somebody who can drive to the rim. 
actually it's never well i guess jimmy it's been dragged to the rim sure yeah. we'll, we'll include that half season Tyrese Maxey is the only one who can actually do like two out of those three, and he can do all three of those three. And the way he's developed that two-man game with the dribble handoff, that's been my other main takeaway so far. Uh, I looked it up last year. Maxey scored 68 points off of dribble handoffs the entire season. He's already up to 25 after three that's games. That's crazy. So he is almost halfway, not quite halfway, maybe 40% of the way to his yearly total from last year. Obviously, part of that is because James Harden isn't handling the ball, but he's just grown in terms of how he can use that action to get advantages in a way that he was never able to before. Yeah, so you used the word several times that I want to harp on here. It's simple. Good offense doesn't have to be overly complicated. Right. I think that was one thing that people were up in arms about when Brett Brown was the coach, right? Was that... Oh, it's just the same dribble handoff game every time. And it's very simple. And look, there were certainly problems with the offense back then. But I think everybody has a clear understanding of how they're supposed to play for Nick. I think the Kelly cuts off of the corner really illustrates the difference it, it makes to have an actual wing on the team, a wing size guy with wing athleticism, where once he catches it in that spot, under the or in the dunker spot on the baseline, it's an easy dunk. You don't have to think, oh my God, I'm, this guy's gonna make a meal of finishing at the basket. It's just like, dude, he's like six seven, six eight, and can jump. So it helps when you're you're not measuring <laughs> the forty time of your wings with the sundial. Yes. Yeah. So to add that injection of athleticism certainly helps. I, I think Tobias's name has come up once or twice now. I think he's been a big beneficiary yep. of how they're playing because, you know, we talked about this in the offseason, Derek. He harps on, he uses the word flow a lot that, you know, I was in a good flow out there tonight and sometimes I'm not in a good flow and I'm having a bad night. And he's able to be involved all throughout the game now. It's not so much James and Joel iso ball. He's touching the ball. He's getting early scoring opportunities. And Nick is okay with, you know, a few – there haven't been a lot of bad Tobias shots, quite frankly. No. He's been ultra-efficient mm -hmm. so far. But you're letting him do things like he's running a pick and roll, he's cutting off the ball in a horns look, and he's doing stuff that wouldn't have had an opportunity to do last season when a lot of his games are being spent just as a spot-up guy. And now, because of that, I think you're actually seeing him <laughs> once again embrace that spot-up shooting. There's actually a play last night – I think is in the second half where he got closed out on by a defender. Looks like he's going to attack the rim and actually took a step back three from the corner. I was like, oh, my God, look at this personal growth from from Tobias. So I think all across the board, you're seeing the the residue of the changes that Nick is making. I think without Harden here, Tyrese is a lot more of a he's willing to take a backseat in the offense from time to time but is also still a valuable piece of the offense as he's in that backseat because of his value as an off-ball guy. So I think the holistic approach here is really doing wonders for a lot of these guys. Yeah, and I think, you know, Tyrese's growth, it really, like, I almost feel like we can take that for granted, especially the jump shot because it's a couple years old now. But, like, the way that he is comfortable, you know, getting his footwork and his positioning off of all kinds of movement now it's even better than it ever has been. Of course, we like we expect him to make that growth, but when we see it in action, it is fun to watch. And he's running the offense better than I, I expected coming in. And again, they haven't exactly played two great teams here. Although Toronto's a decent 
defensive team, their their struggles are really going to come offensively. But we're not talking about championship level competition. We'll see how that translates when they get there. Uh, but he looks real comfortable. You know, we talk about being a three level scorer. You can classify Tyrese as a four level scorer because that thirty foot bomb that he's so he's comfortable with. Lillard shot yes, th- that's another level in my book. And when you're able to do that, he just draws so much attention off of a screen, off of a DHO. But the passes are there for him to make, and I think he's found a good balance of looking for the, for his own shot, looking to drive, looking to shoot, looking to pass. Um, they're just they're playing really good basketball. And Joel Embiid, who we talked about a lot coming in, not in good shape to start the season. He's looked pretty good the last two games. Certainly yeah. closer to what we expect. Yeah. Uh, to stick on that point with Maxi, Derek, I was talking to you at the arena about this yesterday. I had someone over the weekend say to me. Joel's had a lot of two-man games that are really like one-and-a-half-man yep. games because of that effect you were talking about earlier, right? Where him and James were and are really effective together, but that's mostly because James is a historically great isolation player, a very good passer, and Joel Embiid is a great isolation player. But James, once the ball was out of his hands, was kind of just like, it's all you, bro. Right. I'm hands-off. I'm not really involved anymore. Whereas now, Tyrese and Joel can run these pick and rolls and dribble handoffs, and they just flow from one action to the next, very similarly to when he did it with Seth and JJ. So whether Tyrese is getting downhill, he's coming around the corner on a handoff, or Joel's got the ball on the block, Tyrese continues to be a weapon no matter what stage of the possession that they're in. There's more movement. There's more willingness to be that off-ball, spot-up guy And so I tend to agree with that idea that this is the first time in a while there's been a real two-man game in every sense of that phrase. And I think it's already this good. I know it's only been three games and two of those opponents are, you know, let's say kind of shaky and Portland's case very shaky. That's a team that's going to lose a a whole lot. But I think to see them look this crisp this early, even in the Milwaukee game, we saw the second half of that game, Joel and Tyrese – really turned it on at points in the second half there. Anything is possible the rest of the year now. If Tyrese is playing this well and Joel is obviously at the level that we expect him to be at, they're going to win a lot of games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that that 50-win projection that we both made, which I think uh, Vegas and maybe some other analysts are doubting a little bit. And look, they have to remain healthy. That's a big thing. But if they are healthy, uh, I'm pretty confident, uh, frankly, Am I, am I checking all of our bold and not bold predictions after every game to see whether or not we're still in the green? <laughs> yes, I am. I, I will say Tyrese over six assists. I appreciate seeing that. Joel Embiid under 31 and a half points. And you're you're certainly patting yourself on the back for the Memphis take. So I think so far through three, three games. And Tyrese is scoring. I'm yeah, really. Yeah, we're pretty comfortable. Myself pretty on the comfortable. Back for pretty sure. comfortable. Yeah. Um, no, he's, I mean, it, it's, they've got two 30 point scorers and it looks pretty natural so far. It, it's really the best. Overall, uh, I don't want to say it's the best two-man game that they've had because Harden was just so good at getting Joel Embiid those easy looks and elevating him to an MVP caliber player or at least making life easier at that MVP kind of usage level. Um, But in terms of it being a two-way street, they definitely benefit each other better than maybe anyone. I just, to that point, Derek, I just really like how it doesn't feel like so many possessions are turning into Joel hero isolation ball, right? It's... He's still getting those 30-point games and getting to the free throw line and being physically dominant. But Sunday night's game against Portland, a lot of it was 
man, he really attacked the glass and said, I'm not letting DeAndre Ayton box me out. I'm not letting One Robert Williams guard me in isolation. One of the rebounding games we've seen from Joel in maybe years. Which was, is damning with faint praise a little bit, but that was a great it, rebound. It looked game. a lot like like early career, like rookie season Joel, where he's just pursuing every ball. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of what we'll get to that in a second. I want to talk about one of our, our good friends first, then we'll be back to talk about Joel and Tyrese. I got to tell you about, guys about our good friends at game time. I know that there have been a lot of big sporting events in Philadelphia lately. There's unfortunately one less team playing now, but with the Eagles still rolling, with the Sixers better than expected, and certainly the Flyers even better than expected, be a lot of games down at the sports complex you're trying to get to over the coming months. And Game Time is the app for you to buy tickets fast, buy tickets affordable, and get killer deals on last-minute tickets. I know that I didn't go to get to see Lauren Hill and the Fugees, but they are coming back at some point. And I know if I'm trying to get the right tickets and be able to see my seat before I even buy a ticket, the game time is the place to go for last minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's awesome. And the tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email once you do purchase tickets. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. We do have Rich in the chat saying, I've been loving these pods with Kyle and Derek. Thank you, guys. I've been loving your comments, Rich. I've been loving all the support we've been getting from everybody. I see Martian, RC. I saw Baller SP earlier. Excited to start the week with the Sixers podcast. So, obviously, thank you guys all for being here. If Probably a good time to say hit that thumbs up button yeah. while we still have some people actually watching the show and not doing their work well, to start the week. I was going to say, I appreciate <laughs> just looking at our early numbers so far. It looks like this show is pretty much in line with our previous ones. If we had a lower turnout than normal, Kyle would never let me live <laughs> that down. So I appreciate each and every one of you for showing up to watch this one live. Going back to Joe. His just overall effort level, diving for loose balls, pursuing on the glass, it was really good to see. And again, we were hard on him after that Milwaukee game. Absolutely. And I don't think, I think deservedly so. Like I've had some people try to like push that back in my face. Like, no, he was like, his effort was not good enough. You win an MVP, in that game. you're going to get held to a high standard. Right. <laughs> Last two games have been good. Last night specifically, especially on the tail end of a back-to-back. He was listed as questionable coming in, talking to him after the game. It didn't seem like that was actually ever in question. It's almost like when there's a back-to-back, the Sixers are just going to default to, hey, we'll see how he looks after, you know, after warm-ups. Uh, he was always going to play that game. But he, his energy level was great. And again, it's only the first week of the season. Um, but his effort level, his commitment to the little things was much better than it was just a few days earlier. Much, much better. And there is the part of me, I said this to you on press row last night, Derek. There is the part of me that's like, why can't he rebound like this all the oh, time? Oh, 100%. And, and I know that that's, it's more complicated than that, right? It's, yeah. it's He can't just wake up and, oh, I get 15 rebounds every game. But I do think when you see him exert that level of effort, 
to go out there and put on a show for the fans during the home opener and to frankly just beat DeAndre Ayton up for a lot of that game. It makes you think like, man, if this guy was this locked in all the time, I wonder what his numbers would look like. Now, I'll say this. I don't want to complain after a good weekend for the team. And what anytime that Joel can play 29 minutes and score 30, was it 35? Yeah, 35. Get 35, 15, and seven. There's basically nothing to complain about, which I think that's our default mode is finding ways to complain about the Sixers and maybe life in general. (laughs) But yeah, I, I, I think it was a good bounce back weekend for Joel. I think you're clearly seeing Nick's imprint being left on this team. The question, and luckily they have several days off this week to rest. The question for me would be, because they're playing noticeably harder, they're flying around the floor on defense. We did see Tyrese die for a loose ball and yeah. hit his funny bone last night, which that was a a scary moment yeah. in a game where there weren't many scary it, moments. It, it in turns general. out it was, it was it was mostly just like a tingling feeling, like he didn't have yeah. a proper sensation. It didn't sound like there was any kind of bone or structural damage or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. but I do wonder how sustainable the ultra aggressive ultra competitive style is over the course of 82 games and i'd say the one thing i'm concerned about is they helped do away with it last night with some old school load management as doc said they're playing these guys a lot of minutes tyrese specifically and if james is not playing for the team that's going to continue for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Well, they're, they're playing Tyrese a lot in part because, and this would, is like the one legitimate criticism we have of the team right now. There's nobody on else on the team who can get them across half court and into their offense. Like when we were kind of a problem, it's a little bit concerning and watching that Toronto game, especially there were just a couple minutes there where you had Pat Bev, and DeAnthony Melton tried to get them into their offense, and I was pulling out whatever little bits I have left of my hair. And it's it's a like on the one hand, I kind of want James just to like go away for a little bit because I want to see this two man, you know, pairing flourish and develop and see where they can take the team. Uh, we both mentioned it before season, like Tyrese developing into that is is maybe the most important thing of this season. On the other hand, they really need another person so that when Tyrese goes to the bench, it's not like you know, all hell breaking loose. Like they just need somebody to get them in their sets to not like pick up their dribble and try to make a cross court pass through traffic. Like they just need somebody who can credibly run an offense and they don't have it. And it's really frustrating. Well, here's the thing too. I'm not sure they're getting it in a James Harden no, trade. I agree. Because if, if, if another team had that, they wouldn't need James Harden. <laughs> yeah. But even in a, if we're talking about a, backup or role player type situation the clippers are not moving guys who are actual ball right. handlers right it's all it's the the robert covington's the i know he's basically michael jordan but if you're talking about terrence man he is not a anything other than a secondary creator i mean we're talking they might have to give FERC some minutes just to have somebody who can yeah. create a shot an opportunity but here's the thing. This is something we came into the season expecting because DeAnthony historically dating back to Memphis, when he has not played with a Ja Morant or a Tyus Jones is probably even a better example. He has really struggled when he's had to try to be like a bench captain, sixth man type player. I think DeAnthony 
finally had a, a really good game last night against Portland, thankfully, broke through after a couple of clunkers. But the plan for now being to essentially give it to Pat Bev and DeAnthony Melton when Maxie's on the bench is just not a sustainable plan, I don't think. I know that Joel will be on the floor for a lot of those minutes, which that helps mitigate the concern. You throw it to him at the elbow and mm-hmm. just say, figure it out, big man. But they definitely need a real creator off the bench. Like I, I'm not saying you need Lou yeah. Williams, but you're, you're going to need somebody who can actually dribble leading the second unit. I don't think that's a, a controversial take. I mean, at this stage, I might take literal 37-year-old Lou Williams, <laughs> not even prime Lou Williams. We're getting to Did that Did he point. officially retire? Am I misremembering that? I don't know. I'm pretty, I don't know. I truthfully don't know. Sometimes you just kind of like don't have an option. Um, it is, if you had to guess, only 15 possessions. This so June, he actually announced okay. his retirement. Can have a lot of wings in Atlanta. Anyway, um, they've only played 15 possessions with neither Embiid nor Maxi on the floor. What would you guess their offensive rating is? Uh, it's got to be disgusting. It's 80, gotta... 86.7. Oh, I was going to guess in the 90s. Yeah. So that, I was giving them credit that, that I guess they didn't deserve. And again, 15 possessions doesn't matter. I just looked it up because I was curious. Yeah. Um, no, that is is maybe the one legitimate concern. I mean, I, I, there's more legitimate concerns when we start talking about like actually like advancing past the second round and competing for a championship. I still think they need just more overall ball handling and playmaking even alongside of Maxi in those lineups, but certainly getting a short-term fix for when Maxi rests so you don't have to overutilize him would be uh would be good. It's definitely a team need. Let's uh let's move over to Kelly a little bit because he obviously came out and had that terrific game um against the Bucks. A little bit of a struggle bus from the perimeter here over the last two gone 0 for his last 10 from three-point range, but I think has generally made pretty good contributions outside of that. Yeah. What have you seen from Kelly? Yeah, so I, I've, I feel like I've brought this up multiple times at this point, but for me, the more important thing than whether Kelly is making a bunch of threes or scoring in general is where is he at as a defensive player? Because the thing that actually separates him from most of the roster is that he has the size and athleticism to actually check the best wings in the NBA, the guys who in most cases end up deciding playoff series and the title. And so to see Kelly, look, there have been some lapses like there are for everybody, but I think broadly speaking, his defensive buy-in has been good. He's someone that he comes into the game and he's living those principles that Nick is talking about defensively. A lot of high hands, wings spread out and, that just being in the right position most of the time is all you can really ask of, you know, your seventh man right. off the bench. Even I guess he'd be the sixth man at this point because he is the first sub basically every night at this point. I appreciate what he's bringing to the table as a defender, you know, pinching down, getting his hands on drivers. I honestly have really enjoyed his theatrics and the celebrations and like they create a turnover and he's going like doing like first down things. I or mean, he gets a wedgie on top of the backboard and he gets a broom handle and gets it himself. <laughs> like he's been fantastic. He's yeah. been, yeah. So the entertainment value Blowing has kisses been after the made threes against Milwaukee. Yeah. Look, I, I appreciate him for some of the same reasons. I appreciate D house and that they're yeah. just like absolute one of one type characters. D house in a different way. I wish you guys, now, I would never invade the sanctity of the locker room in this way. 
I wish we could just record talk? everything D House says yes. in the locker room, like talking shit with people about their sports teams that they root for or his opinions on Whataburger or just like yep. whether he's going to get to drink a Dr. Pepper after a game. I can report, by the way, that Pat Bev had a nice Miller Lite after the game right. last night to come down after uh, – the game we are supposed to be talking about Kelly here. So we are. Let me bring. We're it hitting back on in. every other bench player on the <laughs> roster. But so I'll say this: I've enjoyed the Kelly experience because he's doing the things that he needs to do to stick on this team. Had a really bad shooting night against Portland, but maybe like one of those shots was a oh, why are you putting that up? He yeah, took mostly open threes. Well, had a bad night, and what are you gonna do about that? Especially in Toronto, he was over six from three, I think, and I think three of them were like last second threes, yeah. not like heaves, but like Hot end of the shot clock. Type, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's like, well, I'm just glad that he takes him, and he doesn't really care about his percentage in that yeah. regard. He certainly missed some makeable shots, but he's he's doing a good job, you know, getting to the rim either off of cuts, off of DHOs. His free throw rate has gone up. Now he's shooting about the same number of free throws as he has or as he did last year, but he's doing it on five fewer field goal attempts per game. So he's still getting the line, even though he's not as featured in the offense. And as long as he defends and gives effort on that end, and I think that's been an almost unqualified success. Like there are a couple of possessions here and there where I'll be like, well, he fell asleep, but I don't think it's an effort thing. Uh, and I think more, more or less he's been locked in and engaged. As long as he does that and attacks the rim, I'll live with not only missing shots, but an occasional bad shot too. And I think for the most part, his bad shots have been minimal. Even it, I almost have more confidence. Like I think, you know, he dropped, what was it? 27 against the Bucks, somewhere in that range. And I think a lot of people got on the, Ubre bandwagon. I've been almost more impressed over the last two games when, when he's he struggling poorly, yeah. and still contributing. Yeah, I, I think the shot creation, having a, a wing who can actually create off the dribble, what a revelation. I mean, it basically never happens for this team. And as we were just talking about, those backup units, they don't have a whole lot of ball handling on them. So the shots that he's taken end of clock now are often like, you have to do something. It's not Kelly right. hijacking the offense and saying it's Kelly Oubre time. It's him waiting until, you know, the other options have not worked out and then saying, I'm a good enough player that I can be trusted to do this. And I'm, I'm a hundred percent on board with that. Like I'd rather have Kelly Oubre trying to create a shot than like Danny green, for example, yep. like Danny green hero ball or, even like Jaden Springer hero ball. If he from a couple back years ago floor. when like Danny would just like pull up and transition every like he'd have one game like every other week where he'd just be like I'm gonna pull up and transition three times today. It's weird, weird, uh, weird guy. We don't have to deal with that as much anymore. Did Danny get on the floor at all last night? Did I he play in garbage time? I don't remember. I don't remember him playing, but hey, well, you look that up. I'm gonna tell the the wonderful people about he did the, not the other wonderful people at Shady Rays. You guys are, can gear up for the season ahead with quality shades that are built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with premium polarized shades and quick swap snow goggles that won't break the bank. I don't know why I have such a problem saying quick swap snow goggles, but I always have to like mentally prepare myself. Eligibility. I can't do it. Eligibility is a tough it. one too. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers an unrivaled product just as good as any expensive pair that we've worn. They have durable frames and world-class optics for all your outdoor adventures. And their quick swap snow goggles have lenses that switch easily from full sun to low light. So don't let changing light conditions slow you down on the slopes 
when all you need is shady radi- shady rays snow goggles. And whenever the goggles are there, man, it always gets <laughs> messed up. And that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost or broken replacements. So if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they'll send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. And Shady Rays is also committed to making a difference in communities across the U.S. through their impact program. They team up with nonprofits to help people live healthy, courageous lives through some of their most challenging times. And if you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. No risk when you shop. Their team always has your back with personal and fast support. So exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out an amazing deal for the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code PHLY for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Uh, Will is spamming the chat and I really appreciate that. The hat I am wearing is actually from a trip I went to to St. John. Will also says that this sweatshirt is tight. This is actually a PHLY locker exclusive. So anybody wanting to dress like me, not sure why you would in a normal circumstance, but certainly when we're wearing this beautiful gear, you can go to PHLYlocker.com. And if you want to get a free t-shirt, among many other features, like joining our Discord, like getting diehard exclusive articles, you can go to allphly.com and sign up to be a diehard member. I'm hoping that some of you in the chat are already diehard members. Look at that. Got some beautiful shirts. That one black t-shirt has the same logo I have on my hoodie. I love those Eagle shirts we have there. The the mismatched font, they're Gavin, all just... Gavin wants a signed hoodie. Look, if you could, when we have an event, if you come out, I'll sign your hoodie. I will, it's a little weird, but I'll do it, whatever. It's only weird because I don't think because we I'm expect awkward, to be... Yes, yeah, yes. it's not because not it's weird there, to The ask. request is not weird. I am weird about it. Yes. yes. Gavin, if we see you out in in the streets of Philadelphia, I am quite happy to, to sign something for you, as long as you give me something to sign it with, because I think the last time I carried a pen was... Like yeah, five to ten years ago. The weirdest request I ever had was I signed some guy's arm who had a, a temporary Sam Hinkie tattoo on it. That was that was awkward. That's really that's really awkward. Did you uh, did you enjoy uh, St. John? St. John in the Caribbean. Yeah, it's. Did I've, you go to? Was that the only one? Did you go to St. Thomas at all? Any of the BVIs? So any? I have been to St. John a bunch of times. Okay. It's kind of my. It's become a family vacation sort of deal okay. every few years because my parents went and loved it. And so I've been, you have to go to St. Thomas right, to go to St. John. It's the only airport there. Been to St. John several times. I've been to Yost Van Dyke for a... Uh, I was at Tortola and that was gorgeous. Oh, like sorry, that I, was maybe my favorite. I actually there. think I might've done a day trip to Tortola. Okay. We did a day trip to Yost Van Dyke and that was, have you ever been there? No. That's where the Soggy Dollar Bar is. It's the okay. original home of the painkiller. If you guys are... 21 plus a great summertime warm weather cocktail with i think it's nutmeg pineapple rum and it sounds weird but i right. promise you it's delicious so anyway we're really off no I've, I, only, I only went to the virgin islands once but i would definitely go back there in a second it's incredible i mean we it sounds like we need to do remotes there sometime we'll have to get vince on that yeah we'll see if we can do it. have to talk to vince about a remote show from uh the soggy dollar and <laughs> yes. 
Hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, all right. So I guess do we have to talk about the not fun part of the team at this point, not or fun at all. do you want to push Would, that back a little bit? You, you mean Harden? Is that the that, that's yeah. the not fun part? We can uh, hold it for a little bit if you want to. No, I mean, look, we only got we're like halfway through the third segment, so let's go for it. All right. So what do you think about James Harden, Derek? <laughs> look, he has to play. In part because there's a new player participation rules and in part because they need him to play to get more value and they still do need more pieces on this team. I'm not looking forward to it because I'm, I'm enjoying the heart or the Maxi Embiid play so much. It looks like he is going to practice tomorrow. They don't have practice today because they just came off of a back-to-back. Nick Nurse said before the game yesterday that the expectation is he Harden will practice uh, tomorrow and it then seems like Thursday is everything is set up for maybe him making, and again, this is just a speculating, but maybe him making the debut on Thursday. At this point, it would be a little awkward if they kept him out too much longer. But yeah, I guess we're trending in the, I will say listening to Nick Nurse describe like, yeah, he was present. He's going to sit on the bench <laughs> and trying to like act like this is great and everything's normal and I'm happy he's here. It's a little awkward, but we're trending that way. We have him returning. So we have two comments I wanted to hit on because they're going to haunt my brain until I address them. Will asked what my favorite brewery in the area is. It's whatever brewery decides they want to sponsor this show. So I'm just putting that out there. I would love to talk about a local brewery on the show, but you have to pay us for We do have one brewery that we're literally like connected to the parking lot with. But if you don't give us money, we're not giving you a shout out. And the other one was Money Mar said, but has anyone ever been to Delilah's though? I'm not going to incriminate myself on camera, sir, but I am certainly aware of the, the <laughs> fine people at Delilah's. Uh, anyway, yeah, it, it's the most awkward part of this situation is because it's weird because Tyrese has been so good and because the two-man game with Joel is so good. The Sixers have created this environment where now the if the fans didn't want James to come back before, but we're on the fence because it's like, nah, we're unsure how it's going to look. Maybe they'll be, I think people assume they'd be better with James Harden. Now it's like, well, why would they want him to come back right now? They're watching Tyrese score 25, 30 points a night, go out there and he's getting seven, eight assists with one or zero turnovers. Yeah. Joel is still getting all the same shots that he's gotten all the time with James still scoring 30 plus on pretty efficient basketball. The ball's moving around the floor. There's no delayed isolation play guys who are off the ball are actually engaged when they're off the ball. People are bought in defensively. They've had some hiccups defensively, but overall looking pretty good. The question now becomes like, do you really want him back as if you're the team? Like, I don't think you're ever going to get them to admit otherwise. I think certainly if you ask Daryl, he'd say, well, the, our title equity is better yeah. with James than without him. But like most people might look at this situation and be like, why do you even want him to play at yeah. this point? I mean, look, I think logically Daryl's position is probably right. If for no other reason than I think it would help him in terms of the trade negotiations and maybe getting like we've mentioned the entire time that the only way you're going to get the Clippers to budge is to get another team interested. I don't think another team is going to become interested if he sits there until the trade deadline, not playing. So I think he has to get on the floor. My concern is it's not going to be like, I mean, we did the predictions last week. I predicted over on 11 games played for James Harden with the Sixers. 
that's a little much for me right now. I would prefer for it to be under. I just don't think a trade is going to materialize in time. And I would just like, you know, Maxi just to know every night coming in what his role is going to be so he can excel in his role. And again, it's not, not so much for long-term development because I think long-term he's going to have the ball enough to, um, you know, to, to grow into whatever he's capable of growing into. It's more short-term short of like, all right, well, now I have confidence of what Maxi will become and I can pursue something different or I, I can at least let that influence what I pursue in a trade. I would love to have that settled or at least feel more settled, you know, by January or whatever, February when you're getting the trade deadline. But I don't think there's any way he doesn't play. You just can't keep him away and still have a, any kind of trade leverage. And yeah. the league would probably lose their shit. I believe our friend Tim Bontemps said this morning that... Whoa, whoa, if, whoa. Friend might be a little strong. Oh, Let's all go right. With that's Tom. not no, I'm nice. kidding. Tim, Tim's fantastic. He'll never listen to this, so I can, I can pick that's on him a little bit. Nice. Tim, Tim's, I, I believe Tim. Tim said either this morning or last night that if Harden doesn't play Thursday then that might be it, right? Like, there's no way you can say he's been back for a week essentially right. doing conditioning and he's and not, he's not ready to, to play. play. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. either he plays on Thursday night or I just don't see any world where he suits up for this team again. That ramp can only be so big. But I, I totally get this sentiment right now that, like, I'm really enjoying watching Tyrese run yep. the show, and I will still enjoy it when we go through these games where Tyrese is going to have a, like one assist, five turnover night, or honestly it might just be like a one assist, no turnover night where the offense bogs down yep. and he takes bad shots. The ball's not swinging around the floor. I'm preparing for when they play Boston on my birthday on November 8th that – that's going to be a bloodbath and Drew's going to put Tyrese Maxey in jail and the sky's going to fall. Chicken Little's going to be on every street corner in Philadelphia. But I'm willing to live with that. Like those are, the, to your point, Derek, those are the growing pains that I want to see him go through. And I think, frankly, Nick and the team are kind of excited in a weird way to see Tyrese go through because they know that if he can go through those things now – that's going to pay dividends in April, May, and potentially yeah. June. And his his growth is just so outlier level in every regard. I might say, like, look, there aren't that many instances of a of a you know player without really elite playmaking skills developing them. Well, he might just end up being the edge case in all this. I truthfully don't know. Like, he's improved in every like it's legitimately every year he goes. Well, this is something he didn't do last year. I'm going to come back and be the best in the league in it this year. And for, you know, his, his rookie year, he didn't shoot any, any threes off the dribble. Everything was 17 feet in. He came back, he's bombing threes from 27 feet at a 40% clip. Well, this year he's, he didn't really do anything off of, you know, really not, I won't say movement, but off of DHO specifically. Well, this year he looks like he's elite at that. Um, can he grow more? I, I'd, I'd love to see it because truthfully, he's just one. I can't, I, it's hard to put any kind of a ceiling on him. Probably put a little bit of ceiling on him defensively, just because he's you know a little short. Uh, outside of that, he's he can. It seems like he can improve anything he puts his mind to. It's crazy. And so Baller says, "Can we have some respect for an NBA seventy-five player?" I, I should be clear. If you guys missed earlier shows, Derek and, and we I call did, him a top twenty-five player in the league. We advocate yes. for, <clears throat> for James to be higher on these you know top one hundred lists that all the big outlets have done. ESPN. 
former Derek Bodner employers that we won't mention. <laughs> They're not paying us anymore, so we're not. That's no, what I'm no saying. Free so shout out. We Lucky, have, that, that's why we call Tim by Tim, not by yeah. the company. We, we yeah. have advocated for these companies to give Harden a lot more respect than he's gotten. That being said, he has made it very clear that he does not want to be here. If I thought James Harden would come back and let bygones be bygones and say, you know, everything that happened with Daryl, let's push it aside. I'm going to do what's good for the rest of the team. And maybe I'll even stick around long term if we can figure out a, a workable partnership here. I just think that that ship has sailed. And I think he's made it clear that it sailed. And to be clear, I think that's understandable from his perspective. I, we've heard what he's had to say, why he has this problem. I still caution him against going about it the way he has up to this point. Sure, Austin. You're fantastic. <laughs> there, that's a free one. Next one costs you money. All I'm saying is... I will lie about anything if you give me money. I'm sorry, go ahead. The audio-only listeners are going to tell you that you're a psycho for... I mean, most people do. Anyway, all I'm trying to get at here is that if James was... If I was convinced James could come back and actually buy into what they're doing and what they want to be as a team moving forward, 100%, bring him back as soon as possible. Now that we've seen life without him... And now that I think it's pretty clear that he doesn't want to be here and isn't going to change his mind on that, there's no incentive for them to bring him back other than to simply create trade leverage. Right. That's it. Right. Why would we? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He won't no. be on the team in late February, mid-February, right? That, that's the latest he could possibly be on the team, I think, at this point. We really, we really do have people saying that we we talk too highly about Harden, and then that we should on a top seventy-five player. It's, I guess, the nature of doing a show every freaking day. All right, before we close this, make it sound like a bad thing that we get no, to just, spend we, time like, with the people. We say a lot, so like that's true. Everyone's going to have something they disagree with. Everyone in that chat will disagree with us pretty strongly at various points. It is the nature of the job. What you won't disagree on is how great FOCO is. FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. With it being football and tailgating season, it means that overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game, FOCO has. And FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. All right. Any other... You know, we had a segment here for some around-the-league thoughts, which I'm sure we want to get to because I know Kyle has some strong ones there. But I feel like there is a lot to talk about Sixers land. Anything else you want to bring up before we pivot? I, I guess it's just... So, obviously, we heard from Nick on Sunday night, for anyone who might have missed it. The expectation is that James should be at practice on Tuesday. The Sixers are off today. That would give them two practices with James leading into a Thursday game against Toronto this week, right? And yep. then Phoenix on Saturday. Do you think he plays on Thursday? I do. I do. I agree. I, I, I just don't see a world where he can... I, I, I do think this is the he has to play moment, and if he doesn't, then he might as well sit out the 
or they might as well tell him to stay home forever. And I don't even know how that would work with the new participation stuff. Um, does he qualify? Does he qualify for in the star treatments? It's all star game over the last how many? When was the last time he was an all star? He might not years qualify. Ago. I, I have to relook at the rules, but I think the league would have some pretty strong opinions on that. I think it's tougher to do that now. Um, and I think both the Sixers and Harden want him to play at this point. Harden, because it probably, I think he probably wants to show that he is still a good player, and then he might act up after that. The Sixers, because they want to gain a little bit of leverage. I think for the most part, outside of maybe us, and I'm gonna us the fans, maybe even Nick Nurse. Who knows? I think he's probably enjoying the way things are going right now. Um, just me speculating, but I think most people want him to play, so I think he will play. Yeah. So. I tend to agree with you. I don't think he's a hold out the entire season type of guy. I think the Clippers look really good right now. So maybe he wants to throw up a bat signal like, hey, right. come and get me. And I could take you guys to that final level. Now, whether they actually need him to get to that final level is unclear. We were chatting in the locker room last night, Derek, where when the Clippers look good, they look absolutely unbeatable. The problem yep. is that. The other 50% of the time, they look like they yeah. never played basketball together before, yep. partially because their best players are always hurt and they don't have, I guess they have a point guard now in Westbrook, but he's got his own set of problems as a, a lead guard that are well documented. So we shall see. That we shall. All right. First weekend of the NBA over. There are a lot of back-to-backs, three games and four nights. So we have a certainly not a large sample of games but i guess is there anything non sixers from the weekend or the first week almost now that has stood out to you um yeah i mean certainly like the the game that we were watching in the locker room last night after the game uh you know i think that we both picked Wemby to win rookie of the year i did mention that i thought chet was the only one i was strongly considering uh we were having some conversations about Certainly people who believe that Chet has a real chance to upset Wemby. Um, and I think he has, you know, we, we, we were watching some plays where he was just like, go up strong, big fella. Like, not to go full Bill Walton here, but like, like dunk that shit, big fella. And I think he's going to struggle a little bit there with the size and physicality. Um, I think that could be an adjustment. But he's, you know, I think he has so much talent that maybe you forget that there is a little bit of an adjustment to playing high-level NBA winning basketball. Yeah, I, I think he was always going to be, if he was going to pop this season, it was more likely mid-season, end of the year. It was not going to be a, he comes out right away and just destroys the league because his game is so perimeter-based right now. I'm going to go somewhere different with my big takeaway from the last week. The Nuggets are not fucking around no. coming off of that title. There's like, sometimes a little bit of a letdown after a championship. That does not appear to be the case. Especially a, a first championship for a team of guys that, like, they finally climbed the mountain. And I wasn't worried about Jokic because Jokic's base level is so good that even if he was dicking around he and could out be, of shape, he'd still be putting up, like, 25, yes. 10, and 8 or whatever. But... And then they play the Lakers on opening night and you watch that game and you say, well, they were definitely fired up for that one. There's a lot of LeBron and Lakers smack talk all summer. They really wanted to get back and then the Nuggets ran them over. So I was like, okay, let's see the non-Lakers games. And then they also ran over the Grizzlies who I'm just saying I did predict them to miss the playoffs and they're starting 0-3. So let's keep an eye on that. Their panic signing is Bismack Biombo. 
And then the Nuggets came out once again and kind of beat on the Thunder yesterday. A bad matchup for Oklahoma City, admittedly. But I think seeing Denver in this form this early should be scary for the rest of the league because yeah. they are they are not coming back complacent. Their losses that they have, Bruce Brown going to Indiana specifically, have not made any difference so far, and I'm feeling pretty good about my Nuggets finals and Jokic MVP yeah. pick from where we sit today. And Rick bringing up Milwaukee having uh, no depth. I know somebody else in the chat brought up Dame struggling in the – I think they mentioned looking human in the second game. He looked more than human. He looked you know, 2 for 12 from the field, uh, and when that happens, Milwaukee is going to struggle even against a team like Atlanta. Uh, there's certainly some depth is a concern there. Boston, you know, just the creation, man. How much are you going to get out of Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday? Is there enough passing on that team? I think that has, I think Boston's looked very good overall, but certainly if you, if you were looking for a fatal flaw, I think that has shown up at times. Uh, I still expect them. I mean, we both picked them to win a championship, but I don't think there is a perfect team. I think there's a lot of really, really good teams. Um, and which ones can get the, uh, the breaks. Uh, it'll be a, Good season. I like I like parity. Um, I like when there's not a a KD level Warriors, and I feel like there are a lot of teams that have a, a chance to win a title but aren't perfect and have flaws that can be picked apart. I think it's a good season for sure. We do have a let's take a couple questions. Sure. I think Jacob asks which team looks like they'll be so desperate that they'll get into the Harden market. Does anybody jump out at you where we sit today? You know the one that people always bring up is Miami, and I just don't see Miami betting on him. Um, I think they're a team that has certainly a need, um, but I don't think that they would. And then the other team, um, you know, that really jumps out. It's, it's, I, the Clippers could use them. <laughs> like we talk about how like that team can look great at times and then like they're strangers at others. They could use another person to create shots. But, you know, who knows? Uh, like the Raptors need a point guard, but the Raptors aren't going anywhere. I can't see them. Like they have no reason to get in on James Harden sweepstakes. Uh, I'm not sure I would change anything, like my feelings on where Harden would go after three games. Uh, I don't think there's a, a, a team that has stood out that much, but we'll see. I'm going to throw a curveball at you here, and this is strictly Orlando? On, no. I'm throwing an even bigger okay. curveball. Orlando was a curveball because they have those two bigs where I, you could think maybe. But Who's the team that we thought he might go to last offseason? Houston? They look like dog shit yeah. again. And I know that Ime was like arrived there and there was the James wants to be the scoring champion again and be and the, said, the president. Out. And he says, I'm out. Keep an eye on Tillman Fertina, who okay. is very clearly like He's not the most patient yeah. and thoughtful guy in the world normally. If this drags on and drags on and they continue to look bad, and obviously, James has all the connections in Houston. That was a floated last season for a reason. I'm just saying I wouldn't be shocked to see yeah. in early December you start hearing, like if the Rockets start, I don't know, like 5-15 and 15 or something like that. Which is on, I mean, look, they have the 28th ranked offense and they have games against the Magic and the Spurs. So it's not like they've played a murderer's row here and they still have, I think, the second worst net rating in the league. So sure. sure. And Randy actually brought up the Lakers in yeah. the chat. That's another one. Like I am not a D'Lo guy historically, not a, not a big D'Angelo Russell fan. They have... They just seem weird in the minutes I've watched them. I haven't watched a ton of the Lakers so far, admittedly. But Austin Reeves, who was 
I thought was really good last year has kind of felt out of place and can't find his place in the ecosystem right now. So I, I don't know. There's a lot of teams that are, it's too early to say, but certainly a guy in James who can run the offense and do a whole hell of a lot of things. If you are struggling midseason, it's going to be worth taking a second look at him. I would say. Yeah, and Houston's a team where I would say it makes no sense, but it also made no sense for them to pursue him in free agency, and there was reports for six months that they would. So certainly I think they were probably farther behind than they expected. Uh, That would just be wild if Emei would do an about-face on that, but Fertitta is the wild-card owner, um, and he could overrule. Well, and the interesting thing, if they could somehow convince the Rockets to get involved in a trade like that, I don't love their young talent, but I'm, I bet you could take, if they're giving up young talent, which they would have to in order to convince yeah. Daryl to trade him to Houston, then you could reroute that talent for maybe like a, a real guy. Right. Like I think it'd be easier to reroute those guys for a disgruntled star than maybe Terrence Mann and Marcus Morris and whatever you would get from the Clippers. So And look, they have Boban. And I'm always open for Boban <laughs> coming back. Always, I've had enough of Boban. Always personally. a spot on my roster for Boban. Yeah, so I, I'm not. That's not reporting anything. To be clear, I have to do the windy, don't aggregate me thing. But just, just a team I'm keeping an eye on to do some crazy shit potentially. Uh, anything else, Derek? That we want to get to? Any other questions? Yeah, I want to get the coffee. I really well, want to get. You already the coffee. had some. I haven't eaten nor had coffee yet. <laughs> I think um, that's probably there might have been one more. Nah. That's we could probably call it a day, I'd right. say. Get will, out of here. We'll be back two thirty uh every day this week, with the exception of Thursday, which we have a post game show for. So trying to build a little consistency there. The reason we weren't on two thirty is all my fault. So I apologize to all of you. <laughs> but thank you for jumping on in the chat. Thank you, Kyle, for um, not murdering me because of the time request, but of I think it, uh, I think it, we had a out. very lively chat today. I want to shout out Brandon and Will and Rick Papa's baller, two minute warning, money, Mar, Ronald, Gavin, Rick, Randy, Ty, Ty, hypothetical man, RC spiral, Frazier. We got so many people with us today. Thank you guys for starting your week with us. Hit that thumbs up button on the way out. If you have not already, if you're not subscribed, certainly subscribe to the channel so you can get notifications whenever we're going live. And we will see you guys in the afternoon tomorrow. We all silly like the mayor. 